Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to a special edition of AI Pro Plus. I'm Dave Hendrick and I'm joined today by Jim Frank, who is a Brighton and Hove Albion fan. Jim, thanks for taking the time out of your schedule to discuss what is obviously a sad moment for you as Alexis McAllister leaves your club to join ours. How are you today? Well, thanks for thanks for having me, Dave. Um, yeah, I am sad to see him go. Um, but I think this move has been in the pipeline for a few weeks now, perhaps perhaps longer. And, you know, I think he'll be he'll be in good hands at Liverpool. Klopp is a is well known for installing confidence and looking after his players. So I, I expect him to do really well for you. So let's just talk about Alexis, the player first. So he's been obviously at Brighton for four and a half years in total, but three and a half years as a player because obviously he spent the first year on on loan. So you've gotten to see him grow and develop. What have you made of of his time at the club and the way he's gone from, you know, coming in as a bit part player brought in from South America, a little bit of the, the unknown factor to what we've just witnessed him become, which I would say is one of the best midfielders in the league. Yeah. I mean, he had a slow start. You're right. We bought him in 2019 for, I think, around 10 million euros. And then he he was loaned straight back to his boyhood club. 
and then he came back and then and went back again to Boca Juniors on loan. And it wasn't really until the Graham Potter era that he started to flourish, came back, took he took time to settle, but then really, really Potter brought him on uh, to become the sort of mainstay of the team. And he can operate both in in a kind of a one or two of a defensive pivot or as the number nine. I mean, it, it was noticeable that in, in the World Cup, he obviously played much further up the pitch than he had been doing for Brighton. I mean, I, I you know, he's a, the first thing that I think you, you notice about him, he's just a very, very intelligent footballer. You know, he understands the game really well. He reads the game very well. And he can do everything, really. He can pass, he can join up the play. He can disrupt the opposition. He can tackle. He tracks back. He gets forward. I mean, there's a bit of a paradox about him that he's he's incredibly half hard working. You know, he'll leave the field. His face is looking bright red and exhausted. But he's also very stylish and actually a beautiful footballer to watch. Quite graceful with the ball, the way he moves um, and 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 passes. Very good, an expert set piece taker. He's never missed a penalty for Brighton. He can score free kicks and will only improve in, in that. I would say my one my one criticism would be that he should score more goals. Uh, he's missed a few chances, but you know, he's 24. He's very calm under pressure. The, the penalty that he scored against Man United in May to really put our European uh, qualification back on track was li- was probably the last kick of the game. And what he'll do is, you know, the referee will blow his whistle. You've got the whole crowd anticipating this moment, huge noise. He'll just take a beat and he'll do it in his own time. So you're getting a great player. And the other thing to say is, you know, I think you're getting a really decent human being. You know, he's very popular. He was very popular in the Brighton dressing room. Uh, very humble and helped a lot of the younger Latin American players like in CISO. Um, so you're getting a, you're getting a great person and a great player. Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design T-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise, and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. Yeah, I mean, to start with the intelligence factor that you mentioned, that's one of the things that really does stand out to me is is how calm and what a good decision maker he is. Yeah. And he always seems to see the game a little bit ahead of everybody else, similar to how Paul Scholes used to operate. He'd just see the picture of what was going to unfold 
And then he'd begin to manipulate things to fit what he wanted to happen. The calmness under pressure is is absolutely a major factor. I mean, nothing at all seems to ruffle this guy. To, to come into an Argentina team that had just lost to Saudi Arabia under huge pressure because this is potentially Messi's last World Cup. And regardless of whether you're responsible or not, if you're part of the group that has, you know, quote unquote, let him down, that is going to stick with you for a while. He came in. And it wasn't just that he played a role. He excelled. And along with Enzo Fernandez, those two coming in was sort of the key factor in Argentina going on to win the World Cup in, in support of Messi. And then yeah. you mentioned about him being, you know, such a, a likable character and a strong presence. And, and those are things that are very important to Jurgen Klopp. And I would imagine when he's had a look at the different players he's wanted to buy this summer and he's done his background work on each individual player, one of the things he's probably liked most about Alexis is all the different stories that you hear about what a what a good person he is, how he always takes time out for people. Like you, you hear stories, I, I used to live in Brighton and still have some friends there. And you'd hear stories about Alexis just being a normal guy out walking around around Brighton and just, you know, always having time to stop and take a picture with a, with a young fan, sign an autograph, whatever it was. Never got kind of that feeling of being too big for the area or too big for the club. Just a very humble individual who... Absolutely. I, th- I think, you know, he he's someone who really understands what it means and how to behave to be a modern footballer. Mm-hmm. And I noticed that uh, when he was going for arriving for the medical uh, at Liverpool, you know, he stopped the car and had, he got the, he had his world cup medal winners medal with him and stopped the car. And I think got out of the car and had photos with, you know, with young fans. And I just thought, yeah, that's Mac. You know, he's, he's, he's really humble. And I think Brighton are a bit like about a a bit like the Klopp sort of view of a player. You know, it's not enough to be just a fantastic footballer. You've got to be a good person. You've got to fit into the squad. You're not going to, he's not going to be disruptive. I mean, uh, he's quite a shy man, Mm. you know, so I think that was partly why it took time for him to settle as well. But, you know, everyone respects him. His English is very good now. And he will help. He will help the younger players there as well. Um, I think. I think you're getting a fantastic footballer. I really do. And he's only going to get better. That's the other thing. He's, he's only 24, so you're getting yeah. him when he's he's building up and moving up into his prime. And the pressure point. It's a good one, Dave, because in the World Cup. He played that game against Poland, which Argentina, if they'd lost or not won, they would have gone out. And he he looked absolutely assured right from the first few minutes of that game. And I think he scored, actually, in that game. And then, of course, we all remember that beautiful second goal that the Argentinians scored in the final, the Di Maria goal. Mm. He was part of... In fact, he laid on, I think... He laid on that uh, pass, that beautifully weighted ball for Demira to just put it in. 
uh, to complete, you know, one of the, the best goals in the World Cup for years. So, I, I yeah, I, I, I'm very sorry to, to, to see him go, but I'm also very thankful that he came to Brighton and I will always, he will, he will get a very good reception when he comes back to the, to the Amex, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll always love him. Yeah. And I think the feeling is very much mutual because in the statements, the couple of statements that he's made, um, it's very clear he has a strong affinity for the club and for the fans, because obviously Brighton are the club that gave him the opportunity to play in Europe. Other clubs looked at him and no one pulled the trigger. It was Brighton that were the club that were willing to make that move for him. And I, I always found it, I, when I lived in Brighton, I used to go regularly and I always found it to be a very welcoming club. And I think that's the case with a lot of the players as well. And we've heard other players talk about it too, in terms of just how the fan base and the city as a whole kind of embraces players. Yves mm. Basuma had a, had a lot of good things to say about Brighton when he moved on to Spurs. Now, I, I think he, he at times maybe crossed the line, you know, with, with wanting to go and whatever else, whereas Alexis has just been very calm about the whole situation. But I've, I've yet to hear a player, even some of the players that were at Brighton and it didn't really work out for them, I've yet to hear a player criticise the club or have a bad word to say about anybody, whether it was the Chris Hutton era, the Graham Potter era, or now under the Zerbi, everybody seems very complimentary of the club. And I think that goes to Tony Bloom and the culture that he has created there, which is very strong. And I do want to come back to Tony in a second, but one thing you mentioned was how Alexis was sort of a, a, a role model, a leader for some of the young South American players you have at the club. And he was kind of the first one that you brought in that started this run that you've had of, of bringing in what looked like outrageously talented players. Moises Caicedo obviously has established himself already as one of the best midfielders in the league. Um, Facundo Buenanote looks like he's going to be a very, very good player for you. And the one I think that I'm most excited to see how he develops next year, I think Brighton fans as well, uh, in CISO. He, yeah. he he looks, him and Evan Ferguson is maybe the best young strike partnership in Europe right now in terms of like they're 18 and 19 years of age and what they could become. And hopefully it will be at Brighton over the next couple of years. But Alexis has, has been noted as been someone that's been a really good guiding light for those players and just showing them around and making them feel at home and inviting them to his home so that they feel like they have that family element as well. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's all absolutely true. And absolutely, the case of uh, Inciso really illustrates that because Inciso came, uh, didn't know the... I mean, that's a, it's a big thing to do. You know, you leave... Um, Latin America and you leave Paraguay you don't know anyone here you don't speak the language it's a big change it'd be a big change for some for a more mature man but especially a teenager and Alexis McAllister by all accounts was just you know like a big brother to him really looked after him you know on and off the pitch on the training ground, what are you doing right? What could you be doing more of? How can you improve? 
you know, don't be so impatient. Your chance will come. And when you when you, that chance came, boy, did he take it. So he has got that nurturing side to him. And I think that that's something that Jurgen Klopp will will have found out about and 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 like enormously. Mm. So I don't think he'll have any any difficulty fitting into into the side. And also, it, you know, it's smart to bring him in now, right? at the start of the close season. Yes. So he gets a whole summer with Liverpool and his new colleagues. Um, yeah, he's, he's Brighton, Brighton, I think have got, you know, Tony Bloom has, and Paul Barber have engendered this culture of respect. You know, you, you handle yourself in a particular way that you are a kind of representative of the, of the club and the community. And, Look at the managers he, they've appointed. Chris Hewton, widely regarded as being top bloke. Graham Potter, very thoughtful. And now De Zerbe. You know, De Zerbe's very, very humble in, in the things that he's said. So that long may that continue, you know. No, very much so. And I think I think that culture is is one that really does aid any player coming to the club, settling in, having that feeling like they belong and and knowing, like you said, knowing that their chance will come if they keep their head down and they work hard and they buy into what the club is about, they will get opportunities. And then when opportunities to leave come about, if they develop to a point where another club is coming in, you know, not to be disrespectful anyway, but, but if a bigger club comes in, that they yeah. will get that opportunity, that Brighton won't price them out of a move. And that's, I mean, that's, Brighton are very aware of, of where they sit in the, the food chain. You know, they know that they're a club that might never win the Premier League ever, but they can play a very key role and they can have success in this league. And we've just seen Brighton qualify for the Europa League, which is an amazing achievement because. As you'll well remember, it's not all that long ago, Brighton were playing in an absolute dump of a stadium in the lower leagues of English football, wondering were they going to be able to pay the players the following week. Yeah. And Tony Bloom has completely transformed that club and completely transformed how that club is viewed, both by the fan base and by the greater British public, Brighton are one of the model clubs now in English football. They are. They are. And you, you've described it very well there. Uh, the club has been totally transformed from, you know, just 13, 14 years ago, playing at the With Dean Stadium, this run-down... Horrible. It was You know, we used to get soaked there, soaked to the skin week after week. And now we're playing at the Amex, which, you know, arguably, although no one could have foreseen it at the time, arguably is too small now. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm sure that they would love to build another tier over the North Stand, but they, I'm not sure they can architecturally. But I think Brighton now, it, any young player will be attracted to Brighton because yes. they know that they'll be given a chance to play in the first team. That's number one. The, the, which, whereas in other other big clubs, they may have to sort of play in the reserves or on the under twenty threes or sit on the bench and not get their chance. 
and then they there's an understanding there that Albion will not be difficult. They they understand their place in the food chain. You know, we are not the size of Liverpool or Manchester United quite quite clearly. Um, and if an opportunity, a better opportunity comes along to play at one of the biggest clubs in the world, Brighton will not stand in the way of that player. So that's that's quite an attractive package that you can offer, you know, young talent. And Tony Bloom and Paul Barber have done it very, very well. And now, of course, amazingly, excitingly for all of us who've supported the club for such a long time, they can say, well, if you come to us, you can play European football as well. Yeah, that that's the thing. Like Brighton are going to be playing in Europe next season. It is, it's an incredible achievement. You know, when you first came into the division under Chris Hewton, it was kind of just stay in the division. That was the mandate, just survive. And if we can survive for a couple of years, we can establish ourselves. And then Graham Potter came in and changed the entire playing style. But the first season was still about survival. And then it was about, let's make ourselves a mid-table staple here. And now under De Zerbe, the the bar has been raised yet again. But if if Brighton were to finish ninth next season and have a decent run in Europe, there won't be Brighton fans calling that a disappointment because it's still progress. You still had that first season in Europe and kept your Premier League status comfortably. So it's a great awareness of, of where the club sits in the league. But the thing as well is for people internally at the club, for, for the guy, for example, that went to Tony Bloom and said, Alexis McAllister's a player we need to look at. For mm. that guy, for Tony Bloom, for the development staff at the club, there will be a huge sense of pride to see Alexis McAllister, this shy kid that they brought in at 20 years of age, moving on to one of the biggest clubs in the world. It'll be the same thing when Moises Caicedo eventually leaves. He was another one that was brought in, another shy, humble kid that other top clubs looked at and didn't take the chance on. Brighton were the ones brave enough to go and do it, bringing a player directly from Ecuador to to England. I know he had that loan spell in Belgium, but it was six months. Like, that's a big, brave move. And Brighton did it. And obviously, like for me, Caicedo was in my team of the season my Premier League team team of the season for this past year. I think he was incredible. But again, that's another one that will move on and it'll be a source of pride for Brighton. And like you said, it's a great sales pitch. The next time you're sitting down with a player who's trying to decide between Brighton and someone else, and you can say, well, look, Alexis came in, developed really well, became a World Cup winner and he's gone to Liverpool. Caicedo came in, He's now gone to Chelsea or, or wherever. And, and that is a great way for Brighton to act as, as a pathway club, but while also being able to reap the rewards themselves of getting elite level seasons out of these players, getting European football, which will bring in more money for the club, makes you more appealing to commercial partners, makes it more appealing for fans to go to these games. And like you said, there's, there is clamour for Brighton to extend the stadium. I mean, you know, when, when they played at the Whitdean, the place would be half empty. It's an athletics stadium for starters. It's not even a football stadium. It was horrible 
It was a horrible place to watch games. You were miles away. If you were behind one of the goals, you were miles away from the game. You didn't really want to bring binoculars. Now at the Amex, it's or the Amex, it's it's one of the nicest stadiums in the league. There's the view from everywhere is great. The sound inside the stadium is fantastic. It's it's just such an amazing transformation. I like having gone to games at the Whitdean for, for two years and then caught the first season with the new stadium, that the difference was night and day. But even since then, the club has transformed multiple times yeah. into <laughs> such a bigger entity. Hello, I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a tad predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa, he does Anfield Index. He presents a tad predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL roundtable there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. That's absolutely right. I mean, I think no one should be under any mistake. You know, Tony Bloom is a very ambitious owner. You know, he he wants Brighton to be up there. A couple of seasons ago, him and Paul Barber sort of publicly stated that they wanted the Albion to be a top 10 Premier League club. And they we achieved that the season before last, the, the last one, the last full one with Graham Potter when we finished ninth. But, you know, Tony Bloom wants the Albion to win something. You know, that that's 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 the stated aim. And although, of course, Europe will be a huge, a hugely exciting adventure for us, I I think that he won't want it to be kind of a one-off. You know, he'll he won't just want us to make up the numbers. Now, whether or not Brighton can finish in the top seven again next season, I don't know. The chances of Chelsea being as poor as they have been next year, I think, are unlikely. Um, but let's see. You know, but I think coming back to Mac McAllister, I mean, the other proud, hugely proud moment, of course, was when he he took part in that winning team at the World Cup for Argentina. Yeah. And the Albion were ex- incredibly, everyone connected with the club, whether it's fans or staff or players, were just incredibly proud of him. And they, they did this beautiful sort of presentation when he came back, when he walked back in the training training ground at Lansing, they let off, they presented him with the, a, a replica World Cup and set off all these pyrotechnics. And it was, he really thought that they, they think about these things and how yeah. to look after their people. So, you know, it's, it's, it, there's never been a better time to support the Albion. And as long as Tony Bloom, who at the end of the day, He's a fan. Yeah. He's a fan, right? Fan he's first and foremost. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Fan. Yes, he's a very wealthy fan. But first and foremost, he is a fan. And as long as he is in charge of the club, 
Brighton fans haven't really got anything much to worry about. It's a question of degrees. How big does Bright does Tony Bloom want Brighton to become? Yeah, that's the question that him and Tony uh, Paul Barber will be will be thinking about. Do you know what really struck me about that moment that you've mentioned when Alexis came back to the training ground? And I was talking to um, to Nathan Joyce about this yesterday, who's a South American expert. And he was saying, he was talking about the same thing. And I, I was saying, what really struck me was, was the this, this sheer happiness of the other players for him. Yeah. Because some of those players had also been at the World Cup with their own nations. And yet they were so thrilled for this guy, their teammate and their friend, that he had been able to achieve what is every kid's dream, which is to win the World Cup for your country. Yeah. And yeah. it just, it spoke of how popular he is and what a likable person he was. And I remember seeing that at the time and thinking that is exactly the type of personality you want around your club. Someone that is universally adored by every single person within the building. Forget anybody outside. He's a class act. I've yeah. just I've just seen, Dave, that he's his sort of um, farewell message to Brighton fans, and I'll, I'll just read a bit of it because it, it illustrates his humility and just what a top bloke he is. So he says, "It's time to say goodbye to the club that opened the doors for me and gave me such amazing moments. I never thought I was going to live." to what I've lived these last three and a half years. But this club gave me that opportunity and I'll forever be grateful. And he goes on to thank, you know, Tony Bloom, Paul Barber, all of the managers. And uh, and he says, most importantly, the players, so beautiful memories and so much learned from them. And of course, he then thanks the fans. And it's just a class thing to do. Oh, it, it absolutely is. And it, it epitomises who he is and what he's about. And I've read stories about his dad as well, who's obviously a very accomplished player in his own right and played with Maradona and how humble he was as a player. And I think that's obviously something that he's he's given his kids is, is that appreciation for those that help you along the way. And like we've mentioned Tony Bloom a few times and it, it just... I mentioned the culture he's built there and we've talked obviously about how Brighton have finished sixth this past season. It, it's worth remembering prior to last summer, your sporting director upped and left and went to Newcastle. A week after the transfer window uh, closed, your manager upped and left and went to Chelsea. Either of those things could have completely derailed your season and would have for most clubs but not for Brighton because they had a succession plan in place. Yeah. David yeah. Weir takes over as sporting director, continues to run things as they had been run under Dan Ashworth because he had worked under Dan Ashworth. And you go out and likely off a list of managers that have already been prepared, you went and got the best available manager in Roberto De Zerbi. And didn't just survive the season. You had your, the best season the club has ever had in the top flight. So, yeah, I, I mean, think this is the ethos of the club mm. because because the, the the club is not a, a hugely big club. 
and hasn't got, you know, limitless resources. And Tony Bloom will not pay people 150 grand a week. He just won't do it. He thinks that footballers can survive on 70 or 80,000 pounds a week. But because of that, they've had they've had to be really super smart in the way that they run the club. And at the heart of that is this meticulous and thoughtful planning that they do for everything. So they'll plan for every eventuality and for all positions, both playing and otherwise. So, you know, I suspect that they knew that McAllister was going to be signing for you. There will be, you know, two or three or even four or five names in the frame to replace him. They similarly with Deserby. No, no, I hadn't really heard of Deserby before Tony Bloom, you know, approached him. But it's a typical Tony Bloom appointment. You know, he was available. We mm. didn't have to pay a huge uh, compensation package for him, and he he just knows. So he will have. I'm sure they will have plans in place in case Deserby is, you know. Uh, prized away at any time this season, which incidentally I don't think is going to happen. But if it were to happen, they would have other names there. And oh, that's yeah. really central to the way that both Bloom and Barber operate, that they plan ahead so that when your sporting director and your technical director and your coach and all of your backroom staff as ha- as ha- has happened to the Albion over the last year and a half you don't panic you don't panic uh and you pick up the phone and you 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 start putting in place your succession plans and brighton brighton are probably well but they're right up there at doing that aren't they oh absolutely and i think you know it's not just the people that I mentioned that have left is obviously Paul Winstanley uh, Paul Winstanley was was poached by Chelsea there was a couple of others taken as well but what people outside of the Brighton sphere don't really realize is that Tony Bloom has this company called Star Lizard, which are a data analytics company. And that is basically the secret sauce for this talent spotting is using that heavy data driven approach, which means that, like you said, they will have a list of players who fit the bill as an Alexis McAllister replacement. And you might look at them from afar and think, oh, well, they're a different type of player. But then as they play, you'll see they fit into the system. Now, it may well be that the Alexis uh, replacement arrived last summer. It may be Billy Gilmore, who they see can be moulded into that role. But there's also the fact that, I mean, for Brighton, Jakob Motor tore his ACL, missed the whole season. And then Enoch Mwepu was forced to retire. And those are two players, especially in Wepu, that Brighton had invested a lot of money in. And again, it could have been catastrophic for the club to lose a player of his calibre and his potential. But they just rolled with it. And and the stories you hear of how they're taking care of Mwepu and how Bloom has guaranteed him a role at the club, you know, as a coach or whatever he wants, they're paying out his contract, not, not waiting for an insurance claim to pay out his contract, they're paying out his contract to him to make sure he's looked after and then sorting him with kind of a, a future career path. 
that is the type of stuff that players are going to be drawn to. And that is why I I have no doubts. We we before the pod, you and Guy were discussing the the potential pitfalls of you know the Southamptons and Leicesters of the world. I don't have those concerns about Brighton because the culture is there, the correct approach is there. They're not flying by the seat of their arse. They're not overspending. Leicester's big issue was that they spent beyond their means and then got up against the FFP wall and couldn't continue to spend. You mentioned what happened with Southampton, which was multiple changes of ownership. Mm. Tony Bloom is not selling that club. No, no, he's not. I mean, all all of that, I, I I absolutely agree with. I mean, you know, and the other the other player we lost, of course, was Trozard. You know, who mid season a player that had been very important had, very had important got maybe player, a little bit too big course, for his boots. Had had you know, I was at the Anfield game where he scored a hat trick. You know that, so he was, you know, if you if you're going to back one player in a kind of one to one versus the keeper. Trozard's your man, you know, you'd always back him to score. So losing him, I was really worried about it. But the clubs just seem to, you know, the team has just sort of rolled with those punches. But and it's very it's very striking the differences in the way in which McAllister and Trozard have left. You know, McAllister gave his all until the last whistle was blown. I was at Villa Park, uh, you know, he was in tears. He had to be sort of helped off the pitch. Um, because he mm. was genuinely upset to be leaving Brighton uh, and 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 the fans. Trozard down tools basically after yeah. the World Cup. He came back from the World Cup and his head had been turned. He wasn't going to sign a new contract, but it, it doesn't. It's not a very classy way to go, you know. No. So no, I think with the Robert Sanchez situation as well, late in the season. It was, yeah. you know, his his head maybe had been turned. He was a little bit upset that he wasn't getting game time. But there was no big public blow-up. It's all handled very quietly, very respectfully. And even when Trossard left, Brighton were, were very uh, effusive in their praise of Leandro Trossard and what he'd done for the club. And he has since made complimentary statements about the club. So even when things do get a little bit messy... It just seems like Brighton have the right people in place to ensure that, okay, you want to go, that's okay. We will facilitate that. That's not a problem. But we're going to make sure that we're looked after as well. Yeah. And we will get you where you want as long as we get what we're looking for. And the thing that's always struck me with Tony Bloom is that people talk about him being difficult to deal with. Now, what I've heard is that he has been great to deal with for Liverpool. Yeah, and I've said this before. The reason that Arsenal got the or that that Arsenal didn't get Caicedo in January wasn't that they necessarily weren't offering enough money. It was the way they went about it. It was the disrespect that they showed to the club. Because Tony Bloom seems to me to be very black and white on this. You approach us first, and you pay us what we're looking for. You make us a fair offer, but you treat us in a respectful manner. You don't come in, you don't try to bully us because we're not going to be bullied. We are going to fight our corner because we're a big enough club now that we don't have to just bow to what you, the big Premier League baddie, wants to do. Yeah, so, and it's about doing things the right way again. Yeah, 
isn't it? It's that culture that we were the talking respect. about earlier. It's about that respect. Yeah. So it's, you know, t- I think Paul, Paul Barber, the chief executive, has mm. talked about this quite a lot. And he says, you know, when Graham Potter was um, prized from us by Chelsea, he said, look, I got a phone call and it was Tony Bowley. And he thought, oh, Christ, you know, I know what this is going to be about. But they approached him the right way, you know. Now, you know, whether or not there's a bit of animosity between Brighton and Chelsea after everything has happened, I, I don't know. But as long as you do deal, there's a right way to do it. And Tony Bloom is is very clear what that should be. It's like, let's get things out in the open. Let's do everything above board with respect, with courtesy, and then we can do business, you know. But don't treat us like we're nobody because we're not. Going back to the Robert Sanchez thing, I mean, I, I, I think it's it's sad, you know. Robert Sanchez is a really good young keeper, and I think he'll regret, you know, not being part of that that journey, which, you know, in the final part of the season, which got us over the line. So I hope that they'll sit down in the summer and Robert will reflect on on what's happened and think that, you know, I can be achieving virtually everything I want to be doing here with Brighton for a bit longer. But he may have to play, you know, he may have to acknowledge and accept that he's got to generally compete for that number one jersey. Or, or they'll say, "Okay, you want to go? Let's. You can go, but the price has got to be right for us." I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, mag boxes and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. Yeah. And and you know that they've got a list of six, seven, eight, nine goalkeepers lined up who they'll pick from and say, well, Absolutely. stylistically, profile-wise, age-wise, resell value-wise, these are the players that we're going to approach. And, you know, you've got, you've even, you mean, at the, you've got James Milner coming in on a free transfer now as well from us. Yeah. You've got Mo Dehoud coming in from Dortmund, yeah. which I, I think if he can recapture his best form can be an excellent signing for you. Yes, obviously we've, got, we've already signed uh, Pedro from yeah, Pedro, who well. he he is one to be really excited about. I I'm very high on him. I think if you've got Ferguson and Enciso and Joe Pedro 
for those two sort of spots, the, the, the number nine and then that kind of 10 slash second striker role, plus the experienced Danny Welbeck and Adam Lalana. I mean, that's that's a very good group of players who give you, you know, the experience, the nows, the know-how, and then this immense talent that these young players have. And when they have dips in form, which all young players will have, the older heads will be around, put the arm around the shoulder and say, look, you, you'll play through it. It yeah. happens to everybody. You'll be fine. And, and that way you keep the mood higher. You keep the mood fresh. I, I think they're the, I think Brighton are the model club. And I, I think it's, it's so exciting to watch this team play. I said all year, once the Zerby took over, this is the most fun team in England to watch by a country mile. I, I, I find City can be quite robotic. I, their football is, is pretty, but it's quite robotic. The same is true of Arsenal, which is kind of a, you know, a, a, a knockoff version of City. But the Zerby's football is, is spectacular when it works. And I think, you know, you look at, around that team and you see players just fitting in. Pascal Gross, I mean, midfield, wing, 10, right back, doesn't matter. Once he's on the field, he knows what his job is and he does his job. But the real excitement for me going into next season is that left-sided combination of Astupanan and Matoma. Yeah. With yeah. with a full year together now. Like, I mean, there's there's an example of Brighton's succession planning. You sold Mark Kukurea, who you bought, I think, for 15 million. You got 60 plus million back for him. And then you went and bought Purvis Astupanan for about 15, 16 million. Yeah. Without question, Astupanan was the better left back last season. And I would imagine Kukurea and Graham Potter have both had moments, especially Potter, given what happened to Chelsea. But I bet they've both had moments where they just, they've kind of sat and thought, I made a mistake here. I should have stayed where I was. Maybe, maybe. I mean, I, I think it's still, it's still very difficult, I think, if you're the manager, Brighton, and a bit, you know, one of the, the big six comes in. You know, mm, of course. Think. And actually, for the, there's a broader point, isn't there, here, that Potter is, you know, a, a very talented, very bright young English manager. Mm. I mean, we don't have a lot of those around. And I, I want to see, I, I didn't want him to go. I was gutted when Graham Potter went. But for the wider sort of good of the English game, if you like, I, 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 I thought, well, at least he's getting a chance. I mean, the fact that Chelsea screwed it up so spectacularly is more... They're bad. That, that's on Chelsea, but that's a very Chelsea thing. Exactly, and I, I'm convinced that Graham Potter will ha- will be a successful manager again. Given you know, given time and, and patience, he will yeah. he will he will do well again. Let me ask you a question, Dave. Where McAllister? Where do you think he'll play? Where Where will Klopp play him? Do you think? So at the moment, we're we're playing this kind of hybrid system that's a 4-3-3 out of possession and then a 3-2-2-3 box midfield type in possession. And I think he'll play on the left of the midfield three and the, the left interior role in the box, so the more advanced role on the left, sort of ahead of Fabinho as it is now. It might be somebody else in the season, but... The role that Curtis Jones sort of played towards the end of the season, I think, is likely the one for Alexis. He could also play where Henderson played and be that advanced right-sided player. 
but I, I wonder if they might want someone a bit more dynamic to help back defensively from that side. Mm. Um, not that Alexis will shirk the work, but I, I think he's he's going to be better for us if we can get him involved in and around the final third a lot more. Yeah, I, agree. I, I think the flexibility he gives. I mean, World Cup he played he played left side of a midfield four for Argentina. For you guys, he's played as a ten. He's played in a three. He's played in a two. He's played as a lone pivot in a, in a, in a midfield uh, three. So he does give great flexibility, which is one of the things I'm most excited about is being able to change the shape mid-game with the same group of players because you have guys like Alexis that are very malleable and can just fit in and do whatever job. And that's that's one of the trademarks of players that come out of Brighton, I find, is you can use them in a multitude of, of positions. I mean, look at Caicedo playing some games at right back this season. He'd never played there before yeah. and he looked like he'd been there his entire career. So I, I think when you get players from Brighton, one of the things you know you're going to get is a player that's been well-trained, well-developed and yeah. developed in a broad way where they're not so much specialists. I wouldn't call them jack-of-all-trades because that'll often get taken as, as an insult, but they are players that can fit in in multiple ways, and and that's kind of going to be key for us moving forward. Yeah, I mean, they are all technically very, very good players now, and McAllister is a great a great example of that. Really good close control, quick passing under pressure. Get he can get a shot off, um, and he'll he'll be he'll be brilliant for you. I mean, you've got already got some guys who can whack a free kick in, but you know if. Um, Trent's injured, you, you you can try McAllister and deadly from a penalty. Mm. You know, never missed. So you're getting a really, really good player, a fantastic human being. And, you know, I think that Jurgen Klopp is is the right man to to, you know, continue his development. So I, I you know, I wish I wish him the very best of success at Liverpool. Jim, before I let you go, I have to ask this question. I'm, I'm looking at your Twitter bio. How does a Brighton fan end up living in Crystal Palace? <laughs> Good question. <laughs> well, I, I, I've, I've lived in London, South London, for, about, for over 30 years. I started off in Brixton, went to Clapham, went to Herne Hill, went to West Nord, and ended up in Crystal Palace. I, know, I do know... Lots and lots of Crystal Palace fans. We have a great ribbing, and it's it's the only ground I can walk to. It takes me about half an hour, and it's the I work for the BBC, and I can honestly say that it's the only time I've had to use my BBC pass was to get through a line of riot police and police horses because I had to explain that I lived up the road, um, and they they let me through. <laughs> so yeah, it's always. When I when I go down to home games to, to the Amex, we actually if we get an Uber or a cab down to the station, which my son and I do quite a lot, we drive past Selhurst Park. So of course it's one of the great ironies of uh, of my life, really. But there we go. Yeah, I think it's one of the more underrated rivalries in English football. Actually, is 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 Brighton against Palace. That's one of the reasons I I, I listen to the Price of Football podcast is because. It's a Brighton fan and a Palace fan, and there's, yeah. there's good banter between the two. Yeah, so Jim, yeah, people people can find you on Twitter at Jim O'Frank. Yeah, and Jim obviously, O'Frank. as he said, 
as you said, you work for BBC Radio 4 and you do a bunch of different bits and bobs as well. So uh, give Jim a follow. And I mean, Jim, I have to say, I, I think the future is is incredibly bright for Brighton with, with the likes of Ferguson and CISO, Buenanote, Moises Caicedo, if he stays, Matoma. And the one I'm really excited about is, is young Andrew Moran, the young Irish midfielder. I think he's going to be a hell of a talent. And another one to keep an eye on for folks that maybe aren't aware, Yasin Ayeri, the young yeah. Swedish midfielder brought in in January. He's another, he's another find. He's another one that in all likelihood is, is going to be attracting big attention over the next couple of years. And Kasper Kozlowski, the Polish midfielder is, is really, really good. Like this, there's, there's so many we could, we could do an hour. We on could, the young players. We could. And Dave, there are, there are others as well, uh, more young Irish talent players, very talented young Irish players in the under-23s. So, you know, the future is bright for us and we're all looking forward to who else might be coming in, um, in the, over the summer and looking forward to the new season tremendously. Um, and we'll see how we go. But we will all be keeping an eye on McAllister as well and seeing how he's going to get on. In a, in a red shirt. Well, Jim, thank you so much for your time. I wish My Brian pleasure. all the best. As I said, I have a great affinity for the club. This has been this has been fun, and I, I'm I'm so excited that we've got this player. Well, I wish him all the best, uh, and I will be up in Liverpool for the game whenever it is. And I, I wish you a, a successful season. Obviously, aside from when you play us, of course. Yeah. Well, <laughs> hopefully, we might meet in the Europa League final in Dublin. Well, let's take that. Let's Wouldn't take that be that. fun for everybody? It right. Amazing. We'll leave it there, Jim. Thank you so much. Speak to you again sometime. Cheers, Dave. Bye. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.